What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show for Shardog.com with me, Sean Sheehan. And today, uh, what I want to talk to everyone about is the Eagle FC 44 card, uh, which went down on Friday night over in uh, Florida. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's a bit of an inside job for anyone to watch. Uh, but for anyone who didn't, I want, and, and even the people who did, I wanted to come on and I wanted to kind of discuss... Uh, the card itself. I'll talk about the fights towards the second half or maybe the, the end of this uh, video, but I want to talk about the overall event, um, the, you know, the bells and whistles, I suppose, that came with it, and maybe why this event was worth watching and might be worth watching again, you know. Um, and I, th I think, look, I think it was a very interesting. I did a preview the other day. I'm sure a lot of people watching this have watched the preview as well. Um, and I, look, I think what I said in that preview actually turned out to be pretty correct. It was a card from bottom to top with well match made fights. Whether it is the you know the the likes of Cody Gibson, and Ray Borg, who you could argue are top you know ten to twenty fighters uh, in the world in okay maybe not the, the weight division they fought in, but in a weight division and in some really good up and comers like the some of the Dagestani lads we saw fighting guys like John Howard, and then even the the two fights at the top of the card, I think they were. Maybe maybe the main event aside, even that turned out to be a little bit, uh, you know, a, a good matchmaking uh, event and definitely the common event. So uh, that's the first thing you ask for on every card, right? When you're looking at kind of meritocracy, when you're looking at the card itself, that's the first thing you'll ask. Uh, ask for for it to be, you know, okay for 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 us to kind of as as MMA fans as MMA purists. Um, a card needs that. Like if it is just people getting absolutely smashed for the whole card, or you know the 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 hometown favorites winning every fight. Unless you're in Dublin now, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I, I I kid. But um, that that's what you want. You know, you want well made, well matched fights, and they absolutely had that. So that was the first thing I wanted to say here. And as I said, we'll we'll transfer back to the fights uh, towards the second half of this video. But I want to start off with. As I said, the bells and whistles. Uh, and as anyone who maybe follows me on Twitter or, or listens to my stuff or reads my stuff, I I'm a big one for for that. You know, I like talking about the commentary. I like kind of you know testing out the commentary in terms of who I like listening to, what format I like listening to, and different things. And uh, I'll start with that. I'll start talking about the commentary because I I saw a lot of people last night and they were very uh, very negative on the commentary. Look, and I can understand why. I I wasn't a hundred percent negative on it to be honest. I thought uh, I'll give my, I'll give my individual thoughts on on the commentators. The play by play guy. I know he's done. Is uh, it One of them. It was actually one of my maybe first times hearing him for a full card. Obviously, because I'm not covering you know the the, the more uh, regional or local American shows. I'm covering the ones here in uh, in Ireland and the UK and and sometimes in Europe as well. Um, so I, I'm not the biggest fan of the. <laughs> That sort of like gimmicky play-by-play -play guy where it is I have this catchphrase that I'm going to roar out four times per fight, the second anyone. And what was it? Oh, baby. It kept us shouting, oh, baby. Um, and I'm also not a big fan of like a very, very jokey commentator, whether it's the play-by-play -play guy or whether it is uh, the color commentators. 
And I thought he had too much of that. Now, the one thing I do think from him, he's very, very well-spoken, very, very sharp. Um, and I think with a little bit of adjustment, let, let's say if the UFC decided to sign him and adjusted him a little bit, you know, did different things at different times, I actually think he could be very good. I just think a bit gimmicky at the moment. So that was the first thing I, I would say uh, about, about that. Uh, the second part of the commentary was the rest of them. Now... For the first, for the undercard, they had Henry Cejudo and Chael Sonnen uh, in the boot, and then they had Kamaru Usman, the, obviously the welterweight champion of the UFC, with them for the main card. And look, you got out of jail. I'll start with Chael. You got out of jail, but you expect to get out of jail. He makes these proclamations of fact in the middle of the fight, like he does in his YouTube videos. And then if they turn out to be correct, great. Like if he says. You know, Sean Sheehan is going to get tired here in, in the second minute. And, like, you, you'd probably be right. <laughs> and then if it happens, like, oh, yeah, Chael called that one. But then if he goes, you know, Joe Bloggs is going to get tired here in the third minute. And Joe Bloggs wins the 15-minute decision and looks stronger in the third. He's not quite right, is he? And that's what he does over and over and over again with every shot, with everything that happens. There is a proclamation. This is a fact. This is going to happen. Which... You know, we've seen, I, I don't watch too much NFL, but I believe Tony Romo is a bit like that, isn't he? And there's other commentators like that as well. The Gary Neville here in soccer is a little bit like that. And he was more early in his career, and I think he's toned that down a bit now. But I like, in general as well, like with Chael, uh, he's well-spoken. Um, I, I like when he, look, when he just kind of sticks to the X's and O's of the fight itself. I think he's, re I think he's actually one of the best in the world, to be honest, just because of how well-spoken he is. And he can, it, it's, it's tough to get someone well-spoken to actually do that, to actually just call the X's and O's of what's going on in the fight. And I feel Chael does that really, really well when he's not trying to be, you know, YouTube analyst, YouTube personality Chael Zanon. He's really, really good at it. Just the MMA Chael, really, really good. I would say the same for Henry Cejudo. I had never heard him before, I don't think, on, uh, on commentary. And I thought... His commentary of what Chael was trying to do in terms of like calling what he thought would happen or calling how the fight was going in terms of tactics, Henry was doing that well most of the night. I think, I, I think maybe later in the card when there was less, uh, or when uh, Usman came on and there was less time to talk, he wasn't able to do it well. But on the prelims, I thought he was really, really good. You know, if someone was pushing the pace and it was kind of winning them the fight, he was saying that if someone was kind of getting picked off off the back foot, and the person pushing the best wasn't winning the fight. He was saying that too. I just thought it was a really good, uh, a really smart commentary performance from Henry Cejudo early. Now, he was thrown in like Dunkel Jail. He was laughing and joking too much, going full Cormier at times. But um, I, I I, think for a first effort, I think he was really, really good. I, I liked him early. Now, the later it got, as I mentioned, when Usain came on as well, he wasn't able to do, I think, what he's good at. I actually think Cejudo, in a two-man boot, would be actually very good. Um, or I would like to see him given a chance in that. But with the three, it was a bit tough. And with the four, it was impossible. And he couldn't do what he needed to do. And it was all kind of witticisms and, and trying to make jokes and trying to make, uh, you know, trying to throw it over to jail and trying to throw it over. There was a lot of kind of throwing it over back and forth uh, to them. Um, then Usman. I, I, Usman was, was an interesting one because he... I liked how kind of calm he was in there and how well he actually called things. Like he, and I'll say it again, I know I'm saying all of them do it, but maybe it's a thing all commentators have to do. But at one stage in the in the Borg fight, I believe it was, he said, um, oh, sometimes in fights you have to take shots and actually um, 
it's actually in your favor because the other guy kind of knows after a while that he's hit you with some of his best shots and you're not going anywhere, which is not, not anti-groundbreaking or anything, but he said it very early in the fight and he said it literally within the first minute. If you go back and listen to that fight, I think it was literally in after like 52 or 58 seconds or something like that. Uh, and it turned out to be correct in that fight. Now, was that look or was, was he smart and, and he knew it? I'd, I'd like to give him the credit for that. I think he, <laughs> I think he knew it, and I, I think he kind of knew what he was looking at. And you know, he, he, of course, Usman knows what he's looking at. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of like sitting there and commenting on it and making assertions, that's a very different thing to actually going in there and doing it. Um, and I thought he did that really, really well. Now. I think he's another guy who would probably need a couple of years in the commentary before he became a top, top level commentator. But I think there's a bit of talent. Honestly, I think there's a bit of talent there with, with all of them. So uh, I wasn't maybe as negative as the other people. The, the biggest issue, right? Uh, <laughs> I think there was too many of them, first of all. Three minute boot, I think, is too much. Four minute was, was scandalous altogether. No one could say anything. The pronunciations, now, anyone who listens to my preview shows now and will listen to some of the names I try to pronounce later on, uh, mine isn't the best either, but theirs was horrendous. <laughs> so who'd I kept calling him uh, Tyrone Sprung, I think, was it? Or Sprom or something like that. Uh, also, the uh, I really liked uh, the MC, but his pronunciations also, he kept saying M at the end of words. It was just bizarre. But uh, I, thought, I didn't think he was bad either. So uh, all in all, I think that part of it, look, we're off of a low base here to be honest with some of the regional promotions because some of them can be so so bad that when you see someone who's just like a little bit uh weathered in <laughs> in terms of of uh their ability to call the fight it's it's actually an uptake now we can look at the very top of the sport like uh the oc or cage wars in terms of commentary and it wasn't near that obviously but for uh you know for a commentary team put together kind of last minute maybe I didn't think it was as bad, maybe, as, as some people did. Um, so, yeah, that would, would be my take on that. The other side of it, then, the broadcast. That was phenomenal. You know, I, I watched this. I couldn't get the app here. Maybe it's not available in Ireland or something. But I just went to the website. What was it? FLX Cast or something like that. Um, clicked on, you know, sign. I think I had to give my email address or whatever. Signed up. Clicked on the video, the live video. Clicked the cast button and cast it to my TV. And I literally didn't touch it for the rest of the night. Now... I've cast other things, everyone, you know, cast from YouTube and different things. There's always issues with them, always. Like, even if it's YouTube, I've, I have a brand new TV. I've, I only have it since just before Christmas there, so it's not like I have some old TV and it's not working. I, I always find issues with them. There was no issue with this at all. I literally put it on at the start of the night. I turned off the TV with it still on, you know, at the end of the night. It was absolutely brilliant. And that is another thing that has there's been big issues with. Like even with Invicta, when they started off, remember they had to give out like a, a free YouTube thing. And even, you know, the UFC last week with their NFT things, it all went to shite and they had to give them away for free and stuff. So technology isn't easy. You know, as, as someone here who's probably like shaking throughout the middle of the podcast and my voice has probably gone off and the, the microphone is probably, you know, probably skipping a beat here a few times. It's not easy to get these things working right. Trust me on that. And the fact that they have got it working right from the very start, I was very, very impressed with it, to be honest. Very impressed. Um, and the, the... all, But not just that either. I think the fact that they had put it out for free, I think is very smart. Um, maybe in the future, look, if they put it on uh, Fight TV or one of them, you couldn't blame them. These people need to make money too, so you can't... Um, you, you know, you can't, you can't blame them for that. But 
I I think the first one I was actually talking to someone last night about you know having a card and putting it out there, um, and and you know someone with a couple of pretty big fighters, and I, I was kind of saying to put it out on YouTube, let the people see how many people will actually tune in for that fight or tune in for that fight, and in in future, you know, when if you're getting. Uh, you know, if you're getting deals, if you're getting something big, they'll be able to know the amount of numbers you can do, and maybe able to know the amount of people you can draw. Because people will tune in, and um, I think if they, you know, obviously if they have a way of following the numbers and all that, I think it'll serve them well in the future. They had it free. A lot of people seem to be talking about, you know, there's some uh, Bellator cards and others that wouldn't have as much uh, clout as this. Maybe not the UFC so much, but. I think it did pretty well on the websites. I'm uh, I gotta stay away from all that sort of stuff. But from what I've heard, it's done well on websites and it's done well in terms of getting clicks and people being interested in it. So you know, and there's a reason I'm doing uh, doing two videos on it as well. You know, people people care about it, and I think uh, I think that's really really good. Uh, and that look, that's a massive thing in MMA. Just getting people to care, just getting people to tune in and and watch your product. You know, and Habib obviously helps with that and. You know, having Ali Abdelaziz and all his fighters. It's, it's weird. Ali Abdelaziz is a manager and he still seems very connected to this. So maybe he needs to be asked a few more questions about that. What's the crack with that? But yeah, it's, um, it, 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 look, it, people tuned in and that, that's amazing. And it, it is, uh, uh, you know, it's a very hard thing to do. And one last thing as well, I'm just looking at my notes here uh, on, on the broadcast. Um, Jin Sturger was there as well. And Felicia Spencer. Um, I, I've seen Jin Sturger do it before. I think she's kind of a, a, an, a online personality or something. I, I don't know her that well. I've seen her on, like, she's been on Joe Rogan or one of those podcasts before. Um, she wasn't, she was okay. You know, she was okay. I, I, don't, I don't think she was necessarily worse than most people. Felicia, Felicia Spencer. Um, now, I'm a bit biased here in terms of I hate, hate, hate when they go to corners in the middle of the fight. I don't mind, I don't mind between rounds, but if it's two minutes, 20 seconds into a round <clears throat> and you go to the corner and the fight's going on and you're listening to these people in the corner or even show them up, I hate that with a passion the, the Din Thomas thing even I'm not the biggest fan of that or Trevor Whitman you know, on the UFC where they haven't given a bit of analysis <clears throat> I don't mind that too much if it's good uh, Din Thomas does it well sometimes I think Trevor Whitman was very good at the start and it, I don't know I don't know I don't know if it's what they intend to be honest um, but Felicia Spencer was like commentating on the cornerman which first of all is a terrible idea and second of all she executed really poorly uh i think that's an idea that needs to be thrown in the bin and never done again felicia actually came on and she was with jen sturgeon they did like a little bit of a chat before or maybe after one of the fights and i actually thought that was pretty good so i like i like her i like her in that role i think she's pretty well spoken uh, as well so i wouldn't mind seeing her in that role again but not this cornerman commentary it's a stupid idea a terrible idea please never never do that again so uh yeah i will uh, <laughs> i will leave it at that at the broadcast and all of that uh so yeah overall i was i thought it was pretty good right let's uh let's run through the the fights here and talk a, a little bit about them let's just pull up my notes here so uh it started off uh with a, a few uh, two decisions from the first three fights um uh, Mahat Jadine Ayadi came back against Mudayev, which was a pretty good fight as well, and, and interesting, uh, interesting one in terms of matchmaking. Um, like Rabzabov got the guillotine choke in round one against Zach Zane. Uh, look, 
coming into it, I, I talked, I, I talked a little bit about it on the preview show. Uh, but Ramzanov is one of these guys, you know, who's been in PFL for a good time. I think they said in the commentary last night, uh, he fought for the million dollars twice, which you know tells you how good he is. Um, and he got a lovely guillotine choke there early in the first. Sean bunched in. I thought that was a close enough fight. You know, it was, it, you know. They did a thing before the fight where Cejudo and Usman and Chael all talked about each of the fights. And they talked about Sean Bunch being like one of the fastest guys any of them have ever trained with. And that's an interesting thing because he looks so slow now in, in some areas. He looks so wooden on the feet. And he looks like, you know, Chael even said he looks like he can't throw his shots. He looks like he's just holding back a little bit. And that's a shame for someone who is, you know, as... Uh, well-rounded or as uh, athletic as, as he is uh, according to all these wrestlers you know it, sometimes it just doesn't translate and for just Sean Bunch it kind of hasn't but I, I still think it's a good signing for them if it's just the name on the undercard and he never goes anywhere grand or if he does come into his own which I don't think he will at this stage of his career if I'm honest but if he does perfect it's worth the gamble it's worth having him so i think he's a good sign and a good one to have uh, on on the car for them then we had maybe the the big um well uh, shock of the night but i thought it was a very early stoppage to marcus jackson versus miles Hunsinger. jackson was actually winning early hit him with a few nice shots and then dropped him hit him again kind of on the way down and the referee jumped in and stopped it now uh, first of all, look, it was a very, very early stoppage. I don't think anyone could kind of disagree with that. It wasn't one of those ones where um, he was hurt on the ground and he wasn't moving and he got hit with a couple of shots. He he was hurt, knocked down, hit with a shot, but like was immediately moving. Like he wasn't out of it. It wasn't like he was flat down and he was on his knees. He was like his hand on the ground at one stage trying to get up and in like the second the referee stops and he's there and he's, it's not, he wasn't fine. By no means was he fine. But like, do I, sometimes I look at this and I go, and it's the wrong thing to do here because you stop the fight when you stop the fight. You don't stop the fight five shots later, but go with me. If he had taken two to three more uh, punches would the fight have been stopped i think no in that situation and usually in those stoppages even if i do think they're early i do think yes sometimes but i would still argue that they're early just because you need to give someone a chance but i actually don't think he would have been like immediately finished here at, at all and that makes it you know a really really bad stop uh, look it wasn't a really 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 bad stoppage. don't get me wrong but it was just a, a missed time stoppage and there was a few referees let me just i think his name is actually here let me andrew glynn you know i've seen him ref before he's ref a few times I just think he panicked a little bit. The officiating, the, the judging was actually grand. Uh, there wasn't that many, uh, you know, razor tin fights. There was one fight I thought he could have gone either way. I'll get to that in a second. But uh, the, there wasn't much for the judges to do in terms of close fights or controversial ones or anything like that. So that was grand. But I thought the referee and the, Andrew Glenn, I think it was, kept calling timeouts like the whole way through the fight. <laughs> Jail even said at one stage well was it a ball shot or is he giving a timeout or is he just checking like you can't just go in there and check you know he was either hitting the balls and you give him a timeout for five minutes or he wasn't hitting the balls and we continue so uh, yeah and he, he kept like pulling up Rashad Evans' shorts and like sticking the uh, sticking the little uh, the wire or the wire the little lace out the back of his shorts in under his arm I'm like will you stop putting your hand up his fucking shorts it was really weird but yeah uh, the, the referee just wasn't great and it, look I think you, sometimes you can see and you can always see the difference between like a bad ref and a really really good ref um, and even sometimes we give a little bit of stick too much to, to certain refs 
who can do the job pretty, pretty well, but some refs are just, you just kind of tell they're not kind of made for it. And I think, uh, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't great now, to be honest. Uh, you're going to cash her in. Maybe the most surprising uh, result of the night got a guillotine choke after over brimful Sean Asher. That, that's not his nickname. It damn well should be. Uh, but uh, yeah, he went in there, threw a few shots. Asher put him up against the cage. Uh, thought he was going to, you know, wear him out. Thought he was going to maybe wrestle him a little bit. But no. The Gastro caught the guillotine, um, brought his whole family into the octagon or the hexagon. I actually think it was afterwards, giving them hugs and all. So that was uh, that was absolutely fantastic. Then to me, fight at night, uh, Dylan Salvador versus Amra Uspan. Um, uh, sorry, Uspanov. Uh, Ospinov quit on his stool after the second round, which quitting his stool is, is a bit harsh. He, you know, he said no mass, but. He had taken a lot of sh- a lot of leg kicks, and people were saying it was the leg kicks. I don't actually think it was. I think it was like the twenty unanswered blows he took before the end of it. He landed a lot of shots, Salv- uh, shots even Salvador did. And after Ospinov had won the opening, um, you know, kind of periods of the fight, very very good comeback. I think Grabaka Hitman was calling these this before it one of the big best fights of the night to look forward to, and uh, he turned out to be right. It was really really good, uh, fantastic from him. Um, the one fight that I thought, you know, it, look, it was a good name in terms of Anthony Njokwani versus uh, Raymond uh, Magomedliev. Um, I, I, I look, I thought that Magomedliev would win, and he won pretty well. But Njokwani is a good name; he's been around for a long time, so it's a good test, you know, in terms of a name. We can't complain about that matchmaking, and I'd say the same for Kurt Magomedov versus John Howard. Howard, he'd not quitting him, you know, he kept going all day, but those lads are definitely two names you need to be looking out for, Magomedliev and Kurt Magomedov, and two very good wins for them. And then we get to the top three fights. Um, Ray Borg against Cody Gibson. Now, this was the only fight I thought maybe the judges could have gone either way, and, and it was, look, the second round... Was one of those rounds where everyone scores it for Borg, but it, and I scored it for Borg too, but it could really have gone for Gibson. So I'll I'll just run you quickly through the fight. Cody Gibson for the first seven to eight minutes of the fight was a making a mockery of Ray Borg. Literally, he was playing with him in the second round. He was like telling him what shot he was going to throw. He was talking to him. He he was literally playing with him in a fashion that I have. I don't think I've ever seen an MMA before. It was it was reckless at, at times, but he was just letting Ray Borg throw, countering him with these big left hooks that came inside, using his jab really well. Ray Borg was not able to close the distance, and I honestly I thought Borg was getting finished, but he didn't, and he kept going. And literally at the halfway point of the fight, Borg came on, started landing some shots, got the fight to the ground, landed big ground and pound. Um, arguably almost finished him late. Gibson got really tired. I remember tweeting him uh, in the middle of like the first round, maybe the start of the second. I said, Gibson needs to get tired here or Borg has no hope. And that's exactly what happened. But Borg took it out of him as well. Look, you can't... The way Cody Gibson fought, you can't fight at that pace for 15 minutes. You you know, you ha- you're going to have to either get the finish or adjust things a little bit, maybe get a takedown, get yourself a minute of rest on top or push Borg against the cage and then start it up again, you know. It's just not possible, I don't think, unless you're a, an absolute animal of uh, with cardio altogether. But Gibson, you know, he is that, but he, no, he's not that. <laughs> you know, he's not. He's not Ken Velasquez, if we put it that way. And Borg came on uh, and dominated the third round as well. I think one judge gave it a 10-8. I wouldn't argue too much with that at all, to be honest. I think that was, uh, that was a fine score. Uh, but... A very, very good fight, you know, as a, as a famous Irish comedian once said, it was a game of two halves, lads, the first half and the second half, and that's exactly what it was, but Borg went out and he won the decision because uh, the judges thought he got slightly the better 
um, of the second round. And, you know, I'm no judge, but I think he did too. So, really, really good fight. This was the standout fight in terms of names on the card. And it turned out to be the highest level fight by a country mile. Really, really great fight. So, from that to the to the bottom, as I've gone through there, those were the MMA fights of note, I suppose, on the card in terms of, you know, up-and-comers, in terms of very good fighters at the moment. And to me, it was very successful. So, you know, as I said at the start, good matchmaking, good fights. Can't complain about that at all. Then we had the two fights that were kind of the older guys with names that you put on the card to draw people in. And, you know, neither of these were too bad either. Now, let me let me talk about Rashad Evans versus Gabriel Checo first. All right. I, I, I'm going to say the negative part first before I'll say the positive part. This was a really low-level fight in terms of quality. And sometimes when we have good matchmaking, as this absolutely was uh, in terms of fighter A with a fighter B at the exact same level or similar to it, where which makes it good. Like if you put Sean Sheehan in there against uh, Francis Ngannou, it's not good matchmaking. But if you put Sean Sheehan in there against Joe Bloggs off the street, who, you know, struggles to walk up a flight of stairs and get, and get tired, it's more even. Or Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. You know, that's even matchmaking. This is what that was. It was two lads on a similar level fighting against each other. But that level was a lot lower than anyone else in this card, apart from the main event, let's say. This was... On the commentary, and I think people on Twitter and online as well were saying, oh, Rashad doesn't look as bad as he as he did before. He's looking good. He's doing good things. I went back and I watched his... Tr- maybe three or four portions of them anyway, his last few fights that he lost. He lost five in a row, I think, uh, doing my preview for this. And this Rashad is noticeably worse than that Rashad. It looks a lot slower... Um, not it still has trouble um, landing punches and stuff like that. Now on the ground and stuff, a little little bit different. Uh, we didn't see too much of him on the ground on top in, in those fights, but I don't think Rashad is near the athlete he was even back then. Rashad had other problems back then, whether it was a mental uh, thing or a, a physical thing in terms of throwing shots. But he he looked look look at his body. Just go and look look at the way he weighed in. He looked physically a lot better back then as well. He. He's just not that anymore, but he came in there against a guy like Checo, who has zero striking whatsoever, not the greatest takedown defense. Now, as, as I said in the preview, his jiu-jitsu was pretty good, and ground and bound, he didn't get on top much. Rashad did a good job. Like, Rashad's wrestling, I think, was good, and his jiu-jitsu defense was good. And once you had that against Checo, it was an easy night for Rashad, and that's exactly what it turned out to be, uh, and he won the fight. And if you watch my betting show, I had him at plus 195, so... Good money to be made there as well, but a poor, low-level fight. Rashad won it well, though. Like, this would be the perfect time for Rashad to go out. I hope he doesn't fight again. Like, he's out now, and he's gone out in a loss. In his co-main, or gone out in a win, sorry, at, uh, on a co-main event of a pretty big card. This is the way to go, you know, against a guy with a winning record and all of that. It's, unless, look, maybe they can find someone else like Checo, but why? Why, like, and look, that's a discussion maybe for another day, but, yeah, this was, um, it was a, Good performance from Rashad at this stage of his career, but this is nowhere near the Rashad Evans that we once uh, knew and loved. Uh, not even close. Um, then the main event, uh, Sergey Haritana versus Tyron Spong. Haritana ended up getting uh, uh, TKO finish, basically the midpoint of the fight. <laughs> this, this was kind of the funny bad MMA that I like in the first round. Um, we had the, the kickboxer, 
you know, but they're both kickboxers, I suppose, but the kickboxer, uh, trying to throw some leg kicks, land some nice shots. He threw one leg kick and it landed in Haritanov, kind of pulled up the leg, uh, and he wasn't able to land any more of the calf kicks. Then he tr- threw the higher leg kick, Haritanov caught it, put him on his back, and it was one of those ones, you know, where that fighters try all the time, but that never works, where you, like, catch the leg low and then just, like, push him and try to tip him over, like, I don't know, a cow or something. Uh, and it never, never works in MMA. And, you know, by God, did it work here? Haritanov uh, sprung straight over on his arse uh, and beat him up on top. I, I think Sprung actually did... Uh, sprung? I've got full fucking tin reason who here now. Um, sprung actually did pretty well to defend, uh, early at least, in uh, following the takedown. Um, but Haritanov did open up... More as the round went on and landed some nice shots but uh, Spong did uh, see out the end of the round in the second round came Spong was landing some hard shots but you could see his face was reddened up so those uh, Haritana shots in the first round they added up without a shadow of a doubt and, and they uh, you know Spong knew he needed to land shots early and he did but Haritanov stood up to him like he's no joke on the feet either Sergei Haritanov he's a very very good fighter uh, but he managed to get the takedown again he tried to get a body lock takedown Spong stopped it did a good job but then he did get the fight to the ground uh, and it was curtains from there then ended up stopping at the referee you know, it was a bit of a pity stoppage, I think, in the end. If it was another fighter, maybe, I think uh, it wouldn't have been stopped. But I think we all kind of knew where that fight was going from that point on. And the referee stepped in and uh, and stopped it. So, uh, good win for Haritana. Another of my bets, another underdog, I think it was plus 159. So, uh, if you're following the betting show this week, you've made, uh, you've made some money out of it altogether. So, even those top two fights that weren't, you know, merit-based fights or, or uh, you know... 2022 relevant fighters um they were still pretty good and the whole card itself was pretty good so if you haven't caught this card i, w- I would suggest you go back and, and watch it watch your finishes anyway and definitely watch the um the salvador fight that was that was salvador against uh, ospinov that was probably fighting night. okay that that finished after the second round but a very very good fight uh, as well as was the bar gibson fight so definitely worth catching him and you know the whole card uh, in general looking forward to the next card easy card to watch as i said very little lads um the fighters were in the cage <laughs> you know as the last fight was barely out of it went really quickly and as i said easy to watch as well so uh, i enjoyed it uh, and i hope you all enjoyed this video talking about it uh, my name is sean sheehan for sherlock.com and i'll see you all next time <laughs>